Oh, I've seen some scripts I know the words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here or you want to ruin another take, huh? It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Man, I don't drop character till I've done a DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to get to Bremen. Welcome back to another episode of the ItMod Chatcast. Joining me today is Billy Das, the indie dork. What's up, Billy? Uh, nothing. I'm just super excited to be here to talk with these fine folks. We're happy to have you as well, Billy, because we also have Lisa Gullickson, the wife dork. Hey, Lisa. And I am Brad Gullickson, the mouth dork. And yes, we are bringing you another rad conversation from Lost Weekend 11, straight from the Alamo Drafthouse in Winchester, Virginia. We're talking to producer Vicki Flasick, as well as her subjects, Wayne Henderson and Presley Barker of the documentary Fiddlin', which centers around the old Fiddler's Convention run out of the Galax Moose Lodge in Virginia. Yes. Yeah. They're practically local. This was... A true surprise. I knew nothing about the Galax Fiddling Convention. I knew nothing about Wayne Henderson, really. And Presley Barker, whoa, that dude, crazy, crazy talented. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I don't know. You know, the nice thing about the last weekend, uh, this go round was, uh, you know, our live music uh, was actually in front of this particular movie. And Wayne and Presley entertained the crowd for... Well, I want to say 30 minutes, um, uh, which I have some audio from. So you'll have a chance at the end of this conversation uh, if you'd like to listen to the live recording that we had. So just be mindful that it's a live recording. It's not a studio sound recording, but I think it's pretty good. And you get a feel of the music that they're talking about at the end of this conversation. It was so cool to watch them receive the attention from the Lost Weekend attendees, you know, it's a Virginia documentary. It's a Virginia crowd. We ate it up. I don't think you necessarily have to be from Virginia to appreciate no, the documentary. Not. But if you are from this state, oh, yeah, you're going to want to watch this movie. But I'm from this state, and I didn't know the first thing about <laughs> fiddling culture. Like, I didn't even know that there was a genre that is called old-time music that is very distinct in their minds from bluegrass which is like its own Mm -hmm. thing it's got a very intense culture and the culture is constantly changing and apparently there is this rush of new talent of kids who want to compete and play this old time sound and it's every time i go to last weekend i leave with a new interest a new obsession yes something i just i need to dive into this and find out what it's really all about so we saw presley barker and wayne henderson walking around before the film and we knew they were you know the subjects of this documentary and we were you were just like oh cool really happy to meet you we're excited to watch this documentary then we watch this documentary and then we have to talk to them afterwards (laughs) and suddenly you're like oh presley barker is a god on that guitar. Uh, Wayne Henderson is definitely a god on that guitar. We're talking to massive musical deities, and suddenly I had tremendous butterflies in my stomach during this conversation. It was really, really surreal. You know, when we were setting up the conversation, I didn't know for sure that we were going to have Presley and Wayne up there when it came time to sit down and talk. I I literally accosted Presley in the hallway outside the theater so I could get a picture with him then. I mean, I fell completely in love with this music. Yeah, originally I thought we were just going to end up talking to Vicky about the movie, but then Presley and Wayne, being the cool dudes that they are, uh, allowed us to you know, to steal them for a, a good chunk of time to talk to them. And because of that, okay, we have a weird mic setup situation in the Lost Weekend Cave. We did not have as many microphones as I would have liked for this audio. So just take that into account as you're listening to this chat. And Brad was also utterly starstruck and tripped over himself when mm-hmm. pronouncing uh, v- Vicky Vlasic's name. And then I followed it up by being super self-conscious about saying the name of the town, Galax, because apparently I'm nine. Look, we're super professionals, Lisa. Don't worry about it. Everyone understands. I'm still blushing. I have not recovered. (laughs) All right, so let's just get into it. Let's just jump over to this conversation, and we'll meet you back on the back half for the outro. And we are back in our favorite 
Alamo Draft House in our favorite projection booth. And today we are speaking with Fiddlin producer Vicky Flaskett. Flasic? I'm going to get that right by the end of the show, I promise. <laughs> and uh, performers uh, Wayne Henderson and Presley Barker. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yes. Um, I would love to oh, kick it off. Oh, you're with, kicking off. Yeah, I'm going to start um, by talking to Vicky because you're the Galax uh, Fiddling Festival has been part of your family tradition. And, and what has it meant to you over the years so much to inspire to make a film? Well, my sister and I grew up about 10 miles from Galax, and um, and we always loved going to the Fiddler's Convention when we were really young, and we would go, and our parents would take us, and we probably didn't pay as much attention to the music at that time as we did to the cotton candy and the <laughs> elephant ears. Um, but as we grew up, we continued, you know, wanting to go to the festival, and, and through our high school years, we would go. It was a way to connect with friends, and it was a social event, and a way to feel like you're a part of the community. And once we each moved away, my sister Julie, who's the director of the film, lives in Los Angeles now, and I live outside of Detroit. But we would go back home every summer for a family reunion, which led right up to the Fiddler's Convention. So then we would go to the Fiddler's Convention as well. And having always loved that and feeling like it was really kind of a part of our upbringing, what we had started to notice were the young kids who were now really a big part of that festival. And we were really inspired. Um, by seeing kids who are playing instruments and who are hanging out with people who are, you know, decades older than them and enjoying the company of their elders and really being um, a, a part of the community themselves and being more interested in their instruments and in playing music than in playing video games or carrying around cell phones. And as a mother myself and having seen my own kids get addicted to, you know, those kinds of technology, um, that was like a breath of fresh air. And so that was a, a big part of our inspiration as well. But what we really wanted to do was to show the place that we have called home in a way that it really is, to show how authentic and genuine the people are, how beautiful the countryside is, the incredible sense of community. And we feel like the media today, every time you see or hear anything about the Appalachians, has been very negative. People focus on the negative, and they don't show the positive. And that was a big part of what we wanted to do with this film. I, I really like um, what you have to say about community and, and that spirit of community. And I think that was um, something that's very evident in the movie uh, about the Gaelic Festival is that, that that really is a coming together, which I think is a fun thing to talk about sort of in the, in the context of where we are right now. And I mean, for film festivals, that's kind of, that's our experience with a film festival is we go and we meet people and we interact with filmmakers and share stories about what works and what doesn't and all sorts of things that go on behind that. And it's a party and it's fun. Um, but what I'd like very much is if you guys could talk a little bit about sort of what that sense of community means to you and what you give to it and what you get out of it. Well, in my case, I'm sort of the geezer of the bunch. You know, I've, <laughs> I've been lived in that community all my life and right in the same same little community. And uh, it's about 35 miles up from Galax. And we would go to that Galax Fiddlers Convention every year and uh, have a... a you know, it's like a, almost like a party. I look forward to that more than Christmas. <laughs> and uh, I think maybe, maybe the first day of fishing season might have been a little above it, but not much. <laughs> and and uh, that uh, was always a big deal for our family and everything. You know, we had a small farm where we had to milk cows every day, and that was the only time of the year that my dad and them would let us let the cows be milked too early, you know, like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon so we could go to the Fiddler's Convention and play, and then the cows were really ready to be milked the next morning. <laughs> so, Presley, what do, you, what do you attribute this influx of young people to the Fiddler's Festival? Yeah, I think it's a great thing that all these young people are wanting to go to a Fiddler's Convention and uh, surround themselves with uh, people that they can learn from and uh, learn licks and tunes and everything and, and uh, it's really great and I think every, every young person has their own touch or something they can add to a new tune or a new lick or, 
or something and uh, to take something away from it is really great, I think. Do you remember your first Fiddler's Festival? Uh, I know I, I, I've been in them for forever, as long as I can remember, but I think uh, my very first one uh, was maybe the maybe the Yakin County Fiddler's Convention over mm-hmm. in North Carolina where I live, and I think I got third place the first time. So, <laughs> nice. so uh, that was my first one, I, I think, as far as I can remember. But I've been to a lot of them, and Galax is certainly one of my favorite ones to go to. And Wayne, do you remember your first Fiddler's Festival? I, I think so. I've, I've been going near on to 60 years to that same Fiddler's Convention. And uh, I remember, I certainly remember the first time I ever won a, I also won third place at the thing, but I, I thought the biggest deal that could ever possibly happen is to be able to win a ribbon at Galax Fiddler's Convention. And uh, I had to play in it a few times before I was able to win anything, but I, I would say 1959, something like that, was some of the first time I remember going to that. And probably in a little bit into the 60s is the first time I won a, something at the contest, which that makes you remember that. And uh, I still have most of those ribbons and things. How's it, uh, how's it different now uh, compared to, say, 1959? Well, uh, I remember nowadays, back in those days, you know, as far as your competition, it was a few old guys, probably like me, you know, that was around that was good players and wins stuff. And now you got to deal with people like Presley, <laughs> which, which is a real, which is a real problem if you're trying to win a ribbon. You know, but it's still, it's so exciting to see those young folks up there playing and playing so well, and it's just a joy to my heart to see that happening. And, and uh, that's a sort of different now than then, but. Real similar, too, just, you know, different people, you know, playing. So Same old instruments and everything. Clearly, music is more than just a passion for you, the, you two. What is it like to then share it for a movie camera mm. and for the audience behind that movie camera? Well, that's a that's a that's certainly a big deal to me, you know, to get to be able to share your, your music and your love for the music and all that in a way bigger way than just playing in front of an audience in an auditorium or or at the Fiddler's Convention or festival or whatever, but it's a very important, even as old as I am and many things that I've played at, it's still still a very big deal to be able to spread your music out that wide. And I'm sure Presley, is, it's exciting for him too to get to do that at such a young age. You know. Is there a stress related to that camera being there or was there no big deal just another day no i think in my case even as long as i've done this stuff whether i'm performing in front of a crowd or those cameras or whatever there's definitely a stress level there mm-hmm. you know it's it's a it's a little bit exciting it makes you a little nervous and you don't want to mess up and uh and i think that's what makes performing exciting to me always has i've never as long as I've played, you know, 60 some, 66 years or something like that, it, uh, it's still that little edge of excitement and worry that your, you know, nervousness could happen. But I think if that wasn't there, it wouldn't be any fun. You feel like you, anytime you get up there and accomplish a tune and play through it that you're sort of satisfied with, it's a feeling of success and, and, uh, that's always been the same. I've never noticed any difference in that. Mm. I still playing down here today was just as exciting, and that little edge there, the same as any time I've ever played. And is that the same for you as well, Presley? Same for me. <clears throat> every every time I get to play uh, is exciting for me. I, I love the thrill of being. Uh, uh, in front of an audience and uh, getting to play in front of a camera was really cool. Like Wayne said, it wouldn't be any fun if you didn't have a, a little excitement before you played. And, and uh, I totally agree with what Wayne said. Well, then my question goes back to Vicky. then. The responsibility of taking, you know, your own passion for old-time music and bluegrass into your film and bringing it out there, it, is there a... Um, there's obviously a sense of responsibility there. So how do you deal with that? Well, there, there was a huge sense of responsibility. And, and it was so important to us to 
to do it right and to do it well. And, and we had probably more than 100 hours of footage mm -hmm. that we filmed. We went back several times. We went to Wayne's Festival. We went to Houston Fest. Wayne was so gracious and invited us into his home. Um, and, and so we, we took all of that footage. And, and we started out, this was literally my sister and I, and, and my parents helped out, and my kids were helping out, and my nieces and nephews. And so this was, this was not a big budget film. This was a you know, how are we going to do this on a month-to-month -month basis? In a family affair. In a, yes, exactly. And once we watched the 100 hours of footage that we had, and we were blown away, and we saw that this was a story that needed to be told and something that is culturally so important in our country that, that I don't think enough people are aware of and know about. And so, you know, we just decided that we were going to do it, and we were going to do it right, and we brought in a fabulous composer, Nicholas Pike, who did the score, which I think is so beautiful and really adds an emotional element to the film and takes it to another level. We had an incredible editor who came in and who helped us, you know, go through that hundred hours of footage, and we had walls covered with sticky notes of quotes and lines, and, you know, and so pulling that all together is, it's an enormous undertaking, first of all, um, and not something that I probably really knew what I was getting into <laughs> when we started the project. But we're really proud of where we're from. We're really proud to be associated with the Galax Fiddlers Convention, and I'm just so honored now that I even know these two gentlemen and that, you know, their generosity and graciousness, you know, in allowing us into their lives, you know, and the, and the other people who really shared some very personal stories with us and who trusted us with that, that, when you go to put it all together, is an enormous responsibility, and it's something that we worked really hard to, to try and get it right. And when we took it back to Galax and we showed it to the local community for the first time last August, oh, wow. talk about being nervous. <laughs> We were scared to death. What if they don't like it? You know, what if, you know, they said something and now it's like three years later and they're seeing the film and they think, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Or, you know, you just don't know. And, and I have to say that the response was so incredible. And I got a phone call from uh, one of the head guys at the Moose Lodge afterwards and, and this, the screening was a fundraiser for them. We had said, we'll come afterwards, we'll show it to the local community and you can use that as a fundraiser. And they were so grateful that they actually gave us a third of the money that they raised to go towards the production costs of the film. And I will tell you, I cried that day. <laughs> to me, that was such a... Uh, you what know, an endorsement. An endorsement of the hard work that we had yeah. been putting in all that time. But I'm sure like going from a spectator to being a filmmaker and really getting intimately involved with this festival, I'm sure you were making like discoveries every day. What is one of your favorite discoveries you made while while making this film? So it's kind of a funny story. And um, you know, first of all, we knew about Wayne, but we didn't know Wayne. And we weren't sure how we were gonna get to meet Wayne because Wayne is the guitar guy, mm. you know. Um, but the same day that we were scheduled to meet Wayne in the afternoon, and that was with great thanks to this wonderful man, Leon Frost, who kind of knows everybody in the community and is super connected to everyone, we were at the grounds of the Fillers Convention filming that morning, and my sister literally tripped over Presley. <laughs> and she, she saw Presley, and she sees this adorable guy. He's sitting on the ground. He's playing his guitar, and he's got one of his buddies there next to him. And so she stops, and she asks if, you know, she can film with them. And, um, and Presley, you know, starts talking about how he met Wayne, and we're like, oh, wow, we're going to go meet Wayne this afternoon. And then we go meet Wayne, and Wayne's singing Presley's, you know, uh, he's singing his praises. And we're like, wow, well, this is kind of a cool coincidental thing. And then for it to end the way that it did in the competition, which I won't give away, mm -hmm. but we couldn't have scripted it better. Mm. And they ended up really becoming the heart of the film. I do wonder that, like, when we watch these documentaries, like Science Fair or, you know, that are, are loosely, like, I feel like this particular... Um, documentary is about so much more than the competition, as is the, it seemed like the community and the fiddling festival. But, um, like, I do wonder, like, there's got to be 
like, how do you find this, the ones to follow, the, the kids to watch? And for you, I guess it was just like a crazy, cool coincidence? It was that. And then, of course, there were a lot of people that we followed and filmed who, who did not make it into the film. Yeah. Because you can't spread yourself so mm -hmm. far, you know, and as much as you would love to be able to showcase all this incredible talent, you have to zero in. And, and what we did was we, you know, we knew that Wayne and Presley were a very important piece of that. And then it was a matter of figuring out where the links were to other characters and how we were going to create the threads within the film, the story of passing on the music being one of them, and then finding little pieces and segments from other people that we interviewed and figuring out a way to, to blend all of that and to create what would be a, a, a story in the end. Um, Presley, I'm, I'm very curious then with that in mind, like what, what has this experience and process for the last few years kind of been like for you uh, as a person who is immersed in the culture and is clearly an adept player, like you're amazing, amazing, <laughs> amazing. I'm not, it's, it's just amazing, it's amazing. Um, but how much of the history do you learn through this process? And, and is that a focus of yours as you take in, as you go to festivals and you learn licks and tunes from people, are you taking in history lessons as you go or is it something you just pick up as part of the culture? Oh yeah, I've, I've learned so much uh, just being around people like Wayne. And, and he's taught me so many great old tunes that's been passed on from him that he's learned. And, uh, and now I know them. And uh, someday maybe I'll get to teach somebody else the same tunes. And, and it's really great that, uh, that you, it's always a learning process, and you can never learn enough, I don't think. And, uh, it's, and it's always great to, to hang out with people like Wayne and, and learn new things. And, and I'm really blessed to be able to even do that and be able to go to the Fielders Convention and, and uh, have a great relationship with uh, Vicki and uh, Julie and uh, with the whole fiddling crew. And it's been a great roller coaster ride for sure. And, and I've had a pleasure working with them. I mean, that's, that's very big emphasis on giving. Where's your spirit of giving come from? Well, uh, I guess my parents, uh, uh, they've always encouraged me, uh, you know, all the way through. And uh, they take me everywhere I need to play. Uh, always they're ready, willing to help me. And uh, always uh, encouraging my dream. And uh, they're always there for me. I know that. One of the uh, interesting themes that came out of the documentary for me was this idea of wanting to maintain the history of the music. You know, not just... Um, uh, you know, not just passing it down, but like passing it down how it should be, how it was, and how we have to maintain what the music should be. But then, you know, there's also that idea of, you know, you're new, <laughs> you come in, you add your own style to it, so you have to find a balance of maintaining the history and also contributing to the history. Do you think about that a lot? And I'd like to get Presley's response on that. I'd like to get Wayne's response on that, too. Okay, well, um, I totally agree with you. Uh, I, I know that every generation is going to add their, their own new way of playing something. And, uh, and I really think that's great. Uh, but I don't think it needs to... I, I know, uh, like, Wayne and Steve Lewis is also one of my other teachers, and uh, Brian Sutton also helps me a lot. Uh, there's always this thing with don't stray too far away from the melody of the song. Mm. And I think that's kind of the same thing here. We don't want to want to take it too much to a new level that it's going to lose its roots, if you uh, mean what I say here. And uh, I think that's really important for everybody. And uh, just to keep with the, the traditional side, but still add your own new uh, flavor to it every, every time the song gets passed around. And uh, I don't know if Wayne... Well, I can't add too much to that. I think that's about right. And I've noticed, you know, I can remember those old fellas from a long time ago and the tradition that they kept. And I've, you know, tried to keep that same thing in what stuff I do, my music and and even instrument making, you know, keeps sort of traditional. And, and these kids that are coming along, I think it's a little bit different from the old days for sure because... I think the main thing, these young folks are, I think, are more talented, maybe. They're, they're, they've uh, learned intricate ways of playing and performing that that anybody I can remember couldn't do when, back in, when I was a youngster, you know. I think they've got uh, something about the younger generation of folks can, you know, 
their fingers worked great. <laughs> and ours did too, but I think we didn't have a good way of learning what to do with them. And I want to add an, on that just a little bit with Wayne said, and uh, one of the reasons why I think what was mentioned in the movie, the technological advance, uh, I think was a big part of it, and having resources like uh, YouTube and, and uh, places we can uh, learn the music offline, and uh, and uh, I think that's really really neat how that's come to that, but. Uh, but I think that what Wayne was saying, like in the old days, they didn't have, you know, access yeah, we, to that. I had to hang around the old guy in the neighborhood who could play good guitar, and he had no clue of teaching a youngster how to play. They That's something they just never thought about. And we had to just hang around and watch the best we could. You'd go to that fiddler's convention, and there was a bunch of them there that could do that. I, I remember all those old guys, Mr. Ball, and... Penn Isom, some of those great old guitar players, but I can't remember them ever sitting down and showing me a lick. You, you just had to hang around next to them and watch them. And, uh, of course, you can learn stuff like that, too, but it's a better if it's a teacher situation where they'll show you that lick over and over and over. Sure. But I can't remember anybody that would do that too much except my neighbor that lived across the road with a lady that could play Carter family tunes, and she would teach them to me, but she didn't know she was a music teacher for sure and, uh, and I didn't either but that was a source that I could go I could go learn some tunes and it really helped me a sight and otherwise you, even though you go to the Fiddler's Convention down there where there's more great old old time musicians and you knew wh which direction to even look it was still pretty hard you had to, it took a certain talent to be able to stand around and watch those guys and try to pick up what licks they do and then when a record player came out, I got one in the 60s, I guess. Then I could had a Doc Watson record, and Doc didn't mind you setting that needle back <laughs> and playing the lick over and over again. <laughs> so you're obviously nostalgic for, you know, the way it was, but you're not resistant to YouTube technology. Yeah, absolutely. When, when you can see these kids, what they can do now, and that kind of stuff definitely helps them. And... and you can't complain about that at all. Billy, Lisa, do you have anything you want to say before we head out? Any last questions? Well, we mentioned we talked to a lot of filmmakers, um, and uh, what we've learned, I think, about the process of filmmaking is that it's extremely difficult. And most of it, if not all, practically speaking, all of it is for the love. And doing something for the love of it um, can be very tough when things don't work out right. Uh, and it can really make you feel quite lowly. And so I would be curious, the same question that we ask to all the people we talk with is, you know, kind of through this process or through your career or through your time learning music, um, what's one moment that you look back at that helps boo you in the tough times? And fill you with gratitude for all the work you've done. For me, it's every time I sit in an, in an audience and I look around me and I see the smiles and I see people tapping their feet and they come up to me afterwards and they express their joy and happiness at seeing this film. And that to me makes all of the years of, of hard work and stress and anxiety worth it. How about Wayne, what, what fills you with gratitude when you think about your life's work? Well, uh, like I say, it's always I'm grateful to them for letting us be in this beautiful film. You know, I feel like it displays what we are down there in southwest Virginia. And you talk to lots of Virginia, they think it, it ends at Roanoke. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's lots of, uh, you know, culture and music and out there. And I'm grateful that they displayed that in the film. And for my own personal gratitude for all stuff I've done all my life, when I you know, hear one of my instruments being played by somebody like Presley or Ricky Skaggs or, or somebody just knows two chords. It's, it's, it's great. I'm grateful to hear, hear that happen as far as my work and, and my music playing, you know, what little bit I can do and what little I've taught. When I hear somebody like Presley and bunches of other kids play, that's, that's, you know, my, I'm so grateful for that, you know, that, I don't know how to even talk about it. Probably, but it's, uh, that's sort of my thing, you know, if I can hear my, one of my instruments or a young player like Presley play it. 
you know, is, is a big deal to me. Uh, I guess one of the things that, or many things that keep me going is, uh, of course, having a great mentor like Wayne. And uh, I've had so many uh, over the short span of seven years I've been playing. And uh, my family's played a huge role in uh, keeping me going and encouraging me. And, uh, and also, uh, one of the things that really makes me happy is when I play for a crowd and they genuinely enjoy it the show and that and I love to hear the crowd crowds response and like Vicky said see them smiling and and actually enjoying it and uh, that's one of the things that I love and that just uh, keeps me going I think well you had a heck of a response today that was a it was wonderful wonderful crowd. applause and every everybody clearly loved it I know we really appreciated you know your music your talent your passion, most of all, we're like big dorks for passion. Like when we see people who love what they do so much, you know, it fills us with joy. So thank you for sharing that with us today on this podcast. Thank you for your film, Vicki. We really enjoyed it. And uh, we look forward to more music and more movies. Well, if I could add one more thing, because this is uh, new news for us is that we just recently signed a distribution deal. Congratulations. You know, for an independent filmmaker, yes. is, it can be a little bit of a miracle. And we're so grateful. It's a brand new company called Utopia that was founded by Robert Schwartzman, okay. who is Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. And he is also a musician and a filmmaker. And they have great plans for Fiddlin. And so hopefully Fiddlin is now going to launch itself and spread to a much wider audience so I'm, we're really looking forward to I'm, that that's great to hear thank you and uh, i'm yeah. sure that um presley probably has some plugs he's like a young person he maybe has a twitter <laughs> a youtube channel yeah yes, where can people find you on social media uh, yes uh well i have an instagram page that's a uh, presley barker music uh facebook page you can follow me on there and keep up with me that's a uh, presley barker music also you can just go on there and and uh, give me a like or something and just uh, keep up where I'm going to be playing. And I'd love to see all the folks uh, come out to one of our shows. And if we wanted to drop 20000 to, to $100,000 on a guitar, where can we find your information, <laughs> Mr. Henderson? Well, uh, I'm not too much on you know, those fancy, you know, in, you know no computers. Sweets. I've got one, but I don't know how to turn it on. I grew up. <laughs> I, I grew up my telephone had a crank on the side of it, and our call was too long. My granny's was too shorts and long. And uh, that, but but you can. I do. There is a website, WayneHenderson.org. That'll that'll tell you about my little festival, and there's all kinds of spots on there where you can find out about me and my guitars. And what are the stuff. what are the upcoming dates for the festival? It's always the third Saturday in June. This year, it's a June fifteenth. And uh, we always have a little guitar contest and where I'll give away one of my guitars where somebody will win one there in five minutes without having to wait ten years for it. <laughs> Which is kind of a big deal. Yeah, so. sort of a yeah. big deal. <laughs> and, uh, and we always have great, you know, bluegrass, old-time, traditional music of some kind. And, and uh, sometimes, you know, country, any, any kind of good traditional music. And we always have good people, you know, come play. We'd love to have... All you good people show up there, too, and support Done. our cops. <laughs> Done. Oh. Not that far of a drive for us. Not, Not easily accomplished. Well, thank you, Vicki, Wayne, Presley, so much for joining us on the podcast today. Like I said, we really appreciate it, and we wish you best of luck. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. And we're back. Man, how cool was that conversation? Super cool. Talking to Wayne Henderson, he is, like, literally a slice of... American music culture? Yes. Yes. It's astounding. That's not an exaggeration mm-hmm. either. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I you know, I, I knew nothing really about him beforehand. Now I'm one of his major fans. I want to head on down south. I want to look at his guitar room. I'm pretty sure he'll let me touch all his guitars. Behind that big like vault door. It's crazy. It's, pretty it's like amazing. the one Ant Man blew up. That was made out of the Titanic metal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you had to freeze it. You should keep that in mind. Okay, Lisa. From the movie Ant-Man. From the movie Ant-Man. I'm I'm proposing a heist on the podcast. Got it, got it, got it. Now I understand. To steal some of those sweet, sweet 
instruments. <laughs> so uh, as Billy said at the front of the show, we do have some audio from the live performance. If you want to stick on with us, listen to it, enjoy it, appreciate it. Again, we're a little defensive about our audio. It could be better, but what are you going to do? You'll at least recognize you that these guys are super talented. You should have been there. You should have been there. Last weekend, 12, happening in the fall. Uh, Andy September Gierson. 22nd to 26th, I think he's announced the dates. What is it? It's the September 22nd to 26th, I think. All right, there you go. So yeah. get ready. Get those tickets. Join us in Winchester, Virginia. We're going to be sponsors once again. And Billy Das, where can we find you online? Uh, so you can find me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at WBDass. Uh, and you can also find uh, my new podcast adventure with my nine-year-old daughter where we work on expanding her cinematic horizons. That's called Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures. If you haven't subscribed to it, please seek it out on Podbean or Apple Podcasts and subscribe there. And you can follow us on Twitter at B-A-C-E-A Podcasts. Lisa Gullickson. Yes. Where can we find you online? At Sidewalk Siren on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. So the movie Fiddlin' just got distributors. They're going to start making their proper festival run. Keep an eye out. You're going to want to check out this film. You can follow me on all social medias at MouthDork. Follow the podcast at ItModcast on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe to both the In the Mouth of Dorkness podcast as well as the ItMod chatcast on Apple Podcasts. And meet us back next week we don't even know who we're going to have. We just know we're talking to some cool people at the Chattanooga Film Festival, and we're going to bring back a whole bunch of really rad conversations. You got it. Fingers crossed on one guest. I think it might work. Do you think so? I think it might. If it does, <laughs> it's going to be a, an event. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Take care, everybody.
guy, or might not have had a voice or something. I never, never learned how to sing. And I always wished I had, because all my favorite musicians, besides being good pickers, were good singers, too. And so I've been blessing at Presley to learn how to sing, for sure. And I don't think you had to learn much. He's pretty good at it, I think, to start with. And uh, so, Bill, Bill sing us a song of some kind. What, what's a good one? Something I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's do that. What chord do you do that in these days? It's an old Merle Haggard tune for y'all folks. Yeah.
records, the big old black thing with a little hole in it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he'd uh, record sometimes, he'd take an old time song. And, uh, and th in this case, the tune we love to play, and, and it's a tune called Nothing To It, but it was originally an old time song called I Don't Love Nobody. And, and uh, the way it had got that name, the recording engineer had never heard that when Doc recorded it back in the 60s. And, uh, and when he got through playing that song, I don't love nobody, the recording engineer asked him what the title of it was so he could put it down on the, the record thing. And Doc misunderstood him and thought he was bragging on his picking. He said, oh, there ain't nothing to it. When <laughs> <laughs> the record came out, that was the title of it. So Doc, Doc always called this thing nothing to it. So. I'm going to 
build you one as near like this old one as I possibly can. It's a, this piece of spruce that's in the top is Appalachian Red Spruce, and I had a chunk of the same board that, I, that had laid around my shop for 40 years, and uh, had a little rosin streak in it, and I'd never used it, and uh, it's really not, doesn't hurt that guitar at all, just put a little streak in the top of it, and uh, fortunately, I still had that piece of wood, so these two guitars are made out of the same piece of wood from the top soundboard. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, proud to have Presley play that and, uh, and just uh, fun to pick with. How about, don't play the play the or something? Yeah, I'd love to. Presley would come up to the shop and I'd teach him a tune about every time he comes up and, uh, and I've about run out of tunes to teach him now and I'm too old to learn any new ones, I think. <laughs> But anyway, that was, it was always fun showing the Presley thing, especially later on, you know, just about all you have to do is show him once, and he's got it, and uh, it's easy to teach. And, and this, this old tune that uh, I heard, I might have heard Doc do it, I don't know for sure, but it's a, it's a polka. It's something you don't usually hear on guitars. They, they usually... I usually hear tunes like this on Molly Lee's polka party that comes on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, on the accordion, accordions and things like that. And uh, anyway, this, this tune is called the Guitar Polka. We'll try to do it for
Can I say something to you real quick? Yes, I will. I want to say thank you to both of you before we wrap this up tonight. I don't know how often you guys are looking out into our audience, but we saw two smiling dudes right here playing. The friendship and kinetic energy between these two, you two, is amazing. And I just want to say... Even we went out here, I saw 200 smiling people in this audience. You are bringing history and love into what you're doing, and it is beautiful. Thank you both. Before we do the last show, round of applause. tell y'all that Wayne Henderson right here has received the highest honor that you can receive for a folk artist presented by the NCTA and uh, it's such an honor to be able to sit up here and, and play with him and, and uh, be able to sit by one of my heroes and he's actually as you uh, saw in the uh, movie here he actually went to the White House to receive the National Heritage Fellowship Award everybody.
visit five hours away down next to southwestern Virginia and close to North Carolina and Tennessee, you'd be welcome to come check that shop out. You saw the most of it on the video. Are you okay with all these people coming to visit? Well, they're all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> One or two at a time would be just fine. Wayne also has a great festival that takes place uh, over at Mount the Wilson, Virginia. I'm sure Wayne can tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah, that, that we'd love to see you third Saturday in June, you know, come down to our little festival. And like we said on the video, you know, all the money we make uh, goes into scholarships for youngins like Presley and, and bunches and bunches of others and uh, that's what we do with the money we raise and uh, I do all sorts of things you know make uh, I build a guitar that we raffle off that day and, and uh, sell a ticket for an astronomical price but we tell you it's a donation to our scholarship and we make more money on that and we do the whole festival usually and that's pretty cool and you win uh, one of my best guitars without having to wait 10 years for it. <laughs> that kind of thing. And uh, that goes on. And, and uh, wonderful folks. Last year, Ricky Skaggs came to play. Couple of years ago, Vince Hill. And, and it's amazing what you can trade a guitar for sometimes. <laughs> and so we've got all kinds of folks. And this year, Presley's band at Shattergrass is going to be playing. She's a IBMA female vocalist of the year, you know, this, this year. She's, they're going to be there. Bill Kirchin, wonderful Telecaster player, and you probably don't know who he is, but you, I bet you've heard him play. Don't you ever heard that song, Hot Rod Lincoln? Yeah. Uh, Commander Cody, you know, yeah. country music. He was the guy doing the guitar and all that. Oh, wow. And, oh, wow. and he's going to be there in person, so that's pretty cool. So we have a good, good show this year. We'd love to see you all there. And it supports our music for the young folks to play music too. So, th thank you. We'll be the steel guitar.